Hey, this is Annalie Maley and this is Under the Surface. I would like to have the conversations about like performance, managing stress, anxiety, self-doubt, the whole bubble of identity and like who we are. It's Annalie Maley's Under the Surface. Welcome everyone to Under the Surface. Today we have an exciting guest with us, Angus Glover. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. What did you get up to this morning on this bright sunny day in Melbourne? Um, got a mate that um, plays for Kilsar, Sean. Um, went to his uh, little facility um, and chucked on the game ready, which best machine ever. Um, yep. Yeah, just did that, slept in a little bit and um, now we're here. So you're playing NBL 1 for Eltham, um, so am I. So we're pretty much family at this point. Uh, Eltham's the best club in the world, just putting that out there. Um, how are you enjoying the NBL 1 season so far, just kind of running around with the boys and stuff? You guys are killing it. Um, yeah, no, really enjoying it. Um, obviously, it's different to NBL and um, it's funny. I've actually gone, I feel like I've gone back in time. I've played, with, uh, played against uh, guys like Sam Short and, Sam Whelan, um, all through my junior career and, yeah, to play with them again and then play with Callum, who I went to the IS with. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Um, and then obviously Foxy, who I play against in the NBL. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's no, a pretty cool group. And um, We also yeah. can't miss that one dunk that you did on Sykes. Like, what was that, like three, four years ago? <laughs> it's been brought up a fair bit of training. Um, <laughs> yeah, like, a lot, a that? lot. Have you seen that? Yeah, it's that was unreal. I still remember that because at that time, like, no one was dunking on Sykes. Like, he was just going around yamming on everyone. And you come out of friggin' nowhere. I still – that was that was a great moment in uh, NBL 1's history. Was it still NBL 1 then? Yeah, it was, was NBL 1. That was, was their NBL first year, wasn't yep. it? Yeah. Good fun. I, I hope you uh, remind him of that often. I do. I do. <laughs> That's brilliant. Okay, so I want to ask you about – first of all, actually, we should start with this. Give us your blurb. Who is Angus Clover? Who are you? Oh God! What do you What do you get up to on the daily? Um, coffee enthusiast. Um, I guess if you strip away the basketball, everyone knows me pretty well from the basketball side of things. But yeah, I love my coffee. Love family. Um, love hanging out with friends, playing video games. Uh, yeah, just trying to um, get out about and in communities. Whether that's obviously at the moment it's in Eltham and. And um, when I'm back in Sydney, we'll be back in Sydney doing stuff with um, clinics or whatever it is, just trying to show my face as, as much as I can. And, um, yeah, I just try and I guess I know what it was like when I was a kid, um, always wanting autographs or going to clinics and things like that. So, um, yeah, I try and show my face around a lot. Are you? Have you hit up all the brunch spots in Eltham yet? Because like second home, third chapter, Zenden, they're, they're all great coffee spots, but the brunch is killer. <laughs> Surely you haven't. Surely, come on now. No, I haven't. So that's on Josh and um, our assistant Steve Smith. Yeah, um, they've only taken me to Platform. Yep, yeah, yeah. Um, platform three and I'm. Yeah, they haven't taken me any other spots, so I'm a bit disappointed with that. Whoa! Yeah, you just set, brought all those out. But, okay. Um, yeah, yeah. We're, I'm gonna have to get on the boys to actually take you to some good places because like as a coffee enthusiast. Yeah. We got some good stuff out in Eltham. It's just, it's just a big ad for Eltham right now. Pretty I'll much. keep going. Pretty much. Um, I'll, yeah, no, I'll continue. Anyway, um, so speaking about what you do off court and stuff like that, the the video games, the gaming thing, that's like huge for a lot of NBL players. They always seem to get into the gaming. Why do you think that is? Um, I mean, we're all competitive already. Yeah. And I feel like there's a bit of competitive side to to um, games like Fortnite, Call of Duty, things like that, 2K, whatever yeah. it is. Um, 
and I guess you get to play with guys that are I mean, you can play with your teammates as well, but I feel like it's a pretty good platform to go play with guys from other clubs as well. Yeah. Um, so you're in constant contact that way. And um, yeah, I think it's just the competitive edge that we all have that we want to try and beat each other as well. Yeah, I see that. I see that. What about like, I mean, in my household, it was always game, like the board games. And like actually just the other night, um, Marina and I played against the two imports for Ringwood and we all played uh, Monopoly Deal. And it, yeah, we got it. It got heated, man. It, <laughs> it got, does get heated. It got heated. People were yelling. The, like table almost got flipped a few times. Um, I digress. But my point, my point being, is like, I, it seems like a lot of the time as athletes, we like we like those games that put us into like different worlds, right? So it's like it's not actually what's right in front of us, but you can kind of turn your brain off and do something else, which is kind of nice. I kind of like that aspect of yeah. it. And I, yeah, I I get that you're able to like still keep connected with people. Do you have siblings? No, I'm a only child, so. Um, ah, okay. Yeah. So growing up, would you say that like basketball is kind of your community family? That's where you got your connection there, as well as your family, obviously. Yeah, but- definitely. Um, like obviously, I grew up playing multiple sports, but basketball. Like I got my, my best friends are from basketball, and um, yeah, obviously, I guess similar to you, I guess with like your big metro stuff yeah. as a kid, you kind of bond really closely with your state team. Um, and I think being a part of New South Wales country, we weren't uh, we weren't able to do camps. Oh, sorry, we weren't able to do training sessions every week leading to nationals. So we'd do like a camp per month on a weekend. Did you guys just sleep at the stadium? Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> do they like, still do that? I have no idea. Um, I hope they actually do because yeah. like um, it's the experience. I think. Um, yeah. But yeah, you'd come in on a Friday night. You do two training sessions on a Friday night before you go to sleep. You wake up early. You got like four or five sessions during that day, and then Sunday. By the end of the weekend, you probably have four or five players actually left on the court. <laughs> yeah. But just going what we went through, I think that's why I'm pretty close with those guys. Yeah. Um, as a basketball comp- component, but um, like I keep in contact with all of them now, so I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, for sure, for sure. As a as a as a youngin, I mean, you're still young now. Like we're the same age, but I still feel like a baby. Anyway, um, as a youngin. Who were, like, how would people describe you as a kid? Like, we, first, let's say, how would your parents describe you as a kid? And then how would people at, like, school describe you? Uh, I think, honestly, both would say energetic. Mm-hmm. Um, parents, yeah. I mean, I never really did homework, I guess you could say. <laughs> so, they were, um, yeah, I guess they were pretty, um, they weren't that strict, obviously. I think they were pretty much, they actually allowed me, I would rather go shoot hoops and they actually kind yeah. of allowed me to. So, yeah. Mum had keys to the stadium, so that was what I did. That is um, so lucky. Yeah, I mean, she worked at the stadium, still does now. But, um, yeah, just before and after school, before local comp started in the afternoon, I just wanted to go get shots up and um, very fortunate I had that. But, yeah, I guess my friends as well um, as kids would probably say just hardworking and, um like i'd miss so many parties because i just wanted to sit in the gym more and more and yeah um i mean i'm sure you're probably the same um yeah although i was a bit wild though yeah (laughs) yeah um but yeah i think just um i just really wanted to reach a level where um i could say that's this is my job one day and i've reached that but um yeah i guess that's probably what people would describe me as a kid would you say that like your motivation and goals as a young kid was pretty clear and set like at what point were you like hey this is what i want to do because like i have moments where i think back and i'm like oh i think i knew by this age i think i knew by that age what around what time was it for you where you were like oh this is something i want to do um i think 
like I said before, I played multiple sports, um, cricket, AFL, basketball were my main three. And then um, I think around 13, 14, I decided to just really focus on basketball. Um, obviously, growing up in Wollongong, having a having an NBL team there, um, going to every single game I could, um, even games in Sydney, because I just wanted to absorb as much as I could as a kid. And obviously, very thankful to my parents to yeah. travel um, and take me to those games all yeah. the time and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I think that's just um, that's probably around the age that I really locked in and said this is what I want to do. That's pretty early, actually, for like to yeah. be able to like uh, like have some sort of clear path. Like I look at thirteen year olds now, and it's quite rare that people know what they want to do at that age. Did you ever feel like? you were able to explore other areas of yourself once you had made that goal or you kind of made that, you, you know, like, this is my shtick, this is what I'm going to go with? Uh, yeah, I was probably very uh, narrow-minded and just said, this is this is me. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then obviously we'll touch on probably later. Like, yeah. yeah, I guess I've probably had to think of a plan B and things <laughs> like that and not necessarily in the sporting world, but, um, yeah, just that's kind of what I've always wanted to do. And, yeah, after that, kind of just sat down and, um, yeah, tunnel vision. Basically. Yeah, I like that because I think that um, there's like two sides to that and I've spoken about this before. It's like us being so driven, right? It's what makes us so good. It's because we're able to look at a goal and be so like laser focused, locked onto it and everything else is just background noise, right? But sometimes that is what hurts us at the same time because we're not able to like, I don't know, see outside of that vision that we have or see that maybe by doing this over here that might help us but I mean, anyway, I digress. And before I move on, I actually, I have a memory. So Angus and I did year 11 together at uh, Lake Ginandera. And when I, when I asked him what he was like at school, um, we did a math class together. And I, by the way, I was not a student. I was not a studious student. And I wouldn't say that you were either. No. We spent 90% of that math class, like, balling up plastic and paper and just shooting it into the bin on the other side of the room with um I think a chalk was in that class Tom Fullerton Tom Fullerton was in that class um there was a couple others but 90% of that class was literally us just like throwing paper into a bin on the other side um it hasn't so far worked out with helping me shoot the ball 100% better, but I, <laughs> maybe that's where I went wrong is shooting with the paper in the math class. Anyway, so, yeah, I love that story, actually. That's fun because I go back. We got taught so many swear words in Dinka by a chalk that year. Yeah. <laughs> A lot. I still like. I still remember ninety percent. Oh, so do I. So and do every I. time I go back to Canberra and I see those girls, I'm like, yeah. It just. I'm not going to recite it on it here because yeah, it yeah. Clicks. It all floods back. I actually think I had voice notes. And I'll see. <laughs> I'll see if I can find them and I'll send them to you. Of you and I actually reciting the swear words so we don't remember, don't forget them. Yeah. In my voice notes. It sounds in about my phone. right. <laughs> sounds about right. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. I digress. So, um, going into kind of your career. And you didn't go to college. I want to ask you about that choice first because you, you went from your juniors, you went to the Australian Institute of Sport, and then you didn't go to college. Why for you did you choose not to make that decision? Um, well, go back a bit. I think like so some people know, some people don't know. I actually committed to St. Mary's. Um, yeah, loved it. Um, loved the um, whole recruiting process, everything like that. And... During year 12, um, 
got offered to be a development player with uh, the Hawks under Rob Beveridge at the time. And um, just being in that pro environment, um, yeah, I was just hungry and um, I was keeping my, I was doing well and like keeping my own um, there. And and um, like Bevo would chuck me in games and feel comfortable. And um, now you see 18 year olds doing that all the time. But yeah. back then it was a bit rarer, I think. It was, and, it was, absolutely. It was a bit like out of, I mean, out of the norm, I would say. Yeah. Like like you said, it is happening more and more now, but I would say you were one of the first in that area. Yeah. So, like, yeah, I guess just having that first year under my belt and then, um, yeah, I just decided this is what I want to do. And um, a lot of people don't know, but they offered me a contract um, towards the end of that season. And then, um, obviously, the Hoop Summit came about and hurt myself over there. And mm-hmm. then we had to go back and um, work out a new deal basically because I wasn't going to play the next season. So um, at the end of the day, I still, I'm pretty happy with the decision um, to stay here and do all my rehab in Australia. And um, I've had great physios, great SNC coaches along the way. And, and um, yeah, I'm super happy that I stayed. Like at the end of the day, I'm not a studious person, as you said yeah. before. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, who knows what I got up to in college. Yeah, actually. Um, so, <laughs> actually, I don't yeah. think St. Mary's would have been ready for you, man. <laughs> no, so at the end of the day, um, yeah, stayed and um, happy with the decision. So, like, you kind of touched on a little bit that injury. You are kind of famously, infamously, I don't know if that's the right word to use, known for the fact that you've had so many and you're still able to perform at such a high level. And it's kind of, it's hard to comprehend like the severity and the level of which you have injured yourself and the amount of surgeries and give us the the rundown of the injuries that you've had. And then I want to go into like your rehab and your recovery process because um, I remember when I was playing in Sydney and um, Kira and I were talking about your recovery processes and how you rehab and I've never met someone who's so diligent about their rehab and so like I think I had asked you one time on how you were doing with stuff and you were explaining like little parts of your rehab process and how much time you actually put into it and it's actually quite mind-blowing so start with talking me through your major injuries and then I want to go into like how you actually what type of mindset you encompass to kind of move past those yeah um I think yeah you would have been AIS the first yep. knee I did mm-hmm. um so we're actually down here to watch the Boomers and Opals play. Um, we went on a little road trip and um, I did my first knee down here um, in 2016, I believe it was, uh, early 2016 or maybe even late 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, from there just um, – Was that an ACL? That was ACL. That was my right ACL. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, and that, that first yeah. one, that first one, was that like – earth shattering like or were, were you kind of um, like oh look here's how i move forward the funny thing about it is like i've never had a serious injury and probably no one at that age probably really has yeah um but yeah i think like i remember hearing the news founding out um like you guys were in the weight room we were about to go in the weight room and i'm in crutches walking now i just heard the news and i've got a smile on my face not not like because i'm trying to hide stuff i yeah. was I, did, I was probably too young to understand what really was it lying ahead of me? Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I'm like, this is a blessing in disguise type thing. Um, I can use it to improve my body in other ways or improve my game in other ways and things like that. And um, yeah, I guess that's what I did. But also, I didn't know what was happening with the rehab at yeah. all. So it was I was going in with the with 
blind vision really yeah. um not knowing what was going on and panicking every time there was a little like i was a little bit sore during the rehab process or whatever it was um yeah so that one took me nine months to come back from mm-hmm. um and then yeah as we just touched on the second one um at the nike hoop summit how much longer um, after that was that two years it was about so when i came back though i came back in september um the following year the following year and yeah. then in 2017 i re- yeah retore it uh sorry retore it did the other knee um, it was the other one other one okay. um so this is the that's the left one i'd like to call as the bad the knee. bad one the bad knee um mm-hmm. yeah i guess um yeah so we're at the hoop summit in front of my, like multiple nba scouts gms um yeah um uh, that the Hoop Summit class had RJ Barrett, Shea Gildas, Alexander, uh, Michael Porter Jr., all these guys. Like it was um, a good class and, yeah, about two days in, I was doing really, really well. All the feedback I had was positive, really positive. Um, set me up for a good w- back end of the week and, yeah, just um, I remember Olga and Ulrich was there and filmed the actual play and um, you can actually hear the ACL crack. Yeah. Um, and he's on the baseline. I'm at the three top of the three point line, so you can hear it that far away. Um, yeah, so that was I kind of knew straight away that was ACL. And um, to be honest, that one was probably the hardest one. Um, so Kira was on the other side of the world, so it was in Portland. Mm. Um, Kira was on the other side of the world. I think at the time training was it was probably like two three a.m. in the morning, yeah. um, Australian Australian time, time or or late evening or whatever it was. Um, and then my dad and my under-16s coach, um, John Hargraves, were flying over to watch the game and they were actually in the air uh, as it okay. happened. So you so weren't I, able to contact anybody. I couldn't contact anyone, mum, no one. So, um, yeah. So that, those hours after, because like you say that you knew straight away, yeah. those hours after like – and you know you've done it, you're not able to talk to your support system. What was that like? Um, I tried to um, – yeah, that was a bit of a weird one. So that was the morning session. We had an afternoon session. Um, finally was able to tell everyone what was going on. And, um, yeah, I remember Kira bawling her eyes out. Um, but it was it was okay for her, I think, in terms of she had um, a really good group of girls at the yeah. AS with us. Um, so they kind of uh, were around her whilst I was over there, and and um, yeah, mum, <laughs> yeah, I remember um, Rob Beveridge and and my nan and pop and my auntie went over to see mum, um, see yeah. how she was doing. And it was I think one of the days it was eight a.m. and she's drinking alcohol. She was re- like a wreck because yeah. it's a baby boy, I guess yeah. you could say. And you're her um, only kid. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, that was pretty hard, and then. Yeah, my uh, dad and John over there, and that was as equally as hard to tell them. But do you think it was yeah. harder having them there to actually look at them in the face and tell yeah, them? Yeah, for sure. Because um, then you almost have to accept it. The right? funny thing is, I said sorry because they've spent all this money to come oh, over. My God. And they're saying, "Don't be an idiot." Yeah. Um, about it, but um. You're also yeah. what? You would be seventeen. I was seventeen at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Seventeen or eighteen, I can't exactly remember, but and then. To confirm, because in the States, you have to go to a doctor to confirm that it's an ACL. So yeah. did the MRI the night before, went to team training in the morning, and I said, tape me up. So without even knowing exactly what it is, I've said, tape me up. I'm trying to train. 
five minutes of just a simple little shooting drill, I've just collapsed to the floor because I've got no stability yeah. in the knee whatsoever. So I was like, oh, yeah, I know what this is. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, I mean, credit to Nike and, and Curtis Evans and everyone like that. They treated me kind of like a king over there after that because they just whatever you want, like food-wise, yeah. whatever, they're just looking after you. It was unbelievable. And um, How, Did you feel a sense of like pressure to still go out there and train even though you know you've just done your knee? Kind of. So in your head, right, you, you said before like you knew that you've done your knee. Yeah. But there's still that part of that, that competitive part of you is like, nah, I can still do it. Like yeah. take me out, I can still go. Do you reckon that's because you hadn't accepted that it was going to put you out for another nine months yet? Or yeah, yeah. Well, like you hear stories too of people playing without ACLs. This is true. Um, especially in like rugby league. Yeah. I remember Peter Wallace is pretty famous for it. But um, yeah, like I sit there and go, like anyone that's done an ACL knows the pain yeah. is excruciating when you do it, and then you actually feel not too bad probably ten minutes later. Yeah, it's just more like overnight it will stiffen up and yeah because the swelling goes into it and everything like that but honestly my knee wasn't that bad the next morning in terms of swelling or stiffness or whatever it was um so yeah just i just tried and so how much longer were you over in the states before you came back was that like another week or something Um, i think it was another three or four days so originally i wanted to leave straight away yeah um and then um yeah i was like no i want to be a good teammate um and they that might show something to yeah. the people that are here watching all these um, kids um, in the game. It might show that I'm a good teammate or whatever it is. But, um, I mean, anyone knows me, I would have stayed probably regardless, um, yeah. even though in the heat of the moment I wanted to leave. So yeah. I ended up staying and best decision I ever made. Um, yeah. Just um, got to bond really well with um, Shay and RJ Barrett. So that yeah. was pretty cool. and. Um, RJ looked after me really well and um, my roommate Felipe from Brazil yeah. um, basically um, asked if I needed anything let me know like it was yeah I, I got treated really well by all the guys and um, yeah I'm pretty happy that I stayed and um, and then yeah came back and Nike hooked up first class because I couldn't bend my leg because it started to stiffen up <laughs> yeah. afterwards so that was yeah the first class was great yeah, yeah. so that was the good part but yeah, um, yeah. and then this part's probably a like, I remember just laughing at it because I'm on crutches, so I couldn't grab them. Um, so when you go to that hoop summit, you get, like, multiple, multiple bags of just Nike gear. Like, yeah. it's insane gear. Um, I've had to get someone to wheel out the bags because um, mum's on the outside of the customs area. Yeah. She can't come in. And she's trying to come in, like, that way because she's yeah. just bawling her eyes out seeing me on crutches. Yeah. And, um, and I'm sitting there, like, laughing because I'm like, <laughs> mum, you can't come this way. Like, settle down. I can crutch over there. Yeah, it's okay. the security are going to come grab you. Yeah. Like, relax. Yeah. Um, so that was, yeah, a bit of a funny moment in a dark time. But, yeah, um, silver lining. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you ever feel like, especially, again, at that moment, you're 17, your dad was able to go over there, your mum's at home, but, like, when you get home, was there ever a feeling of, like, oh, I've let the people around me down? Like, did you get that weight of, like, oh, I've let – like, I mean, you mentioned you said sorry, but, like, that – that like instinct to be like, oh, I'm letting people down. Did that continue as you were home for a little bit or did you just kind of get straight into rehab? Yeah, kind of got straight into rehab really. Like it was like I landed in Sydney and then the next morning I was back in Canberra um, and then the day after that I was straight into surgery. Yeah. Um, yeah, but that's how it panned out for that second one. And then seven months in, um, a lot of people probably don't realise, but seven months in I – um. Retore it slipping on water out of all I things. I remember that. I remember um, that. 
Yeah. Yeah, so that was um, not ideal, the ACL. We found out we went to a new surgeon in Sydney, Leo Pincheski, um, renowned ACL specialist. Um, Seven months in, you're kind of getting close to starting to do everything yeah, again, right? Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, found out that um, the ACL wasn't exactly in the right spot and um, we all know surgeons really like their own work and don't like other work, yeah. other people's work. It's like an artist almost, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so um, saw the new surgeon. Um, that was a bit of a complicated one. That was a two-stage. So what that is is they take the old screws out, the torn ACL out, put artificial bone in uh, for six months, mm. um, let that heal. Um, you can go in at the same time, but it's very like it can be unsuccessful. Invasive. Yeah. Yeah. So let that heal for six months, so it comes solid like the bone, and then um, yeah, then go back in, and because. I've used two hamstrings. We were a bit like, yeah. what's the decision of where do we go with this one? Yeah. Originally, we going to use a cadaver, so mm -hmm. a deceased person's uh, hamstring. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, so uh, get the x-rays done six months later, see Leo again, and, um, yeah, he just looks straight at Dad and grabs his hamstring and goes, we can use that one. <laughs> uh, Did you actually? Yeah, we used that no hamstring. Um, so Dad's got this little joke like, Every 10 points I score, he's got half of it. Like basically oh, yeah, he takes yeah. half my stats or whatever <laughs> yeah. it is. So he's claiming he's got one full NBL championship now because yeah, yeah, I've yeah. got two. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I'd claim it, absolutely. Yeah, of course he's claiming <laughs> it. So, um, but no, nah, so that was, yeah, that was what we decided. So at that point from when you'd done your second, how long until you were able to play again? Like after all of those surgeries? Would have been close to two years. So seven months in and another six months and then it was 12-month rehab. So basically, yeah, it was two months, uh, two years, sorry. So during that time, so that's from like 17 to 19, right? Are you still at the Australian Institute of Sport or were you back in Illawarra? Um, actually, I remember so I the NBL season finished and I was doing the six months before you go to college or pros mm -hmm. at the AIS. Um Still in my six months camp. So I did the first month there yeah. roughly, um, which so obviously just it's basically getting the swelling down and, yeah. and movement back anyway. So um, I remember sitting down with Capes and um, so Adam Caporn, um, he was the coach at the time and he was trying to tell me to go back to Elawara and do yeah. the rehab at Baymed. Um, and because I was so set and um, I wanted to, do the first one um yeah. i did the first one there i want to do the second one there too yeah. but so yeah so i did the second one and the third one with baymed and sit in wollongong mm -hmm. um yeah I, honestly like yeah pretty pretty happy like i was still in that pro environment and like capes made the right call for me to go do that and um do you think that like being able to be in that pro environment still while you're rehabbing helped you like stay focused with what you wanted like having that like you're surrounded by the 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 people that you want to be you're surrounded by the thing that you want to do every day do you think that played a massive role in your ability to kind of keep pushing because lots of people stop after their first one let alone their second with the complications how did you like you know i mean the way that it kind of rolls off your tongue it sounds so naturally like yeah i just did my rehab how do you how did you stay so focused to do that because that's an everyday thing right like yeah it's not it's not just like oh you go to rehab twice a week no nah. it's every day right yeah i guess like i mean someone that's probably done an acl that's someone that doesn't play pro sport or even like even local comp playing once a week whatever it is um like you're for an acl you're only going in probably 
to see a physio once a week and then you do your own stuff outside of that. And a lot of times it's only three gym sessions a week. It's not yeah, not like us where like I'm doing something every day. I'm seeing a physio every day. I know I've got the luxury to see a physio every day. Yeah. But um, yeah, like they were like booking as much as you want or as little as you want, like use it to your advantage. And um, I can't remember when you, until I was able to do full body weights, I was doing three lower body sessions a week, five upper body sessions a week, and three cardio sessions on top of yeah. um, like shooting. Like I just, like I thought that was the best time for me to use my, try and get my upper body strength up. And like I use different ways to try and help myself yeah. get through those times. And on top of that, um, being in that pro environment, I was lucky to have guys like Kevin Leish, Kirk Penny, um, Tim Conrad, AJ Ogilvy, like all these guys that um, I was able to, that, like they took me out for coffee um, yeah. during um, my time in Illawarra and things like that and really take my mind off uh, my knee. And um, But they'd always check in and see how I'm doing. But the conversation was maybe asking me about how I was, but then trying to ask about completely different things. And, yeah and seeing what's going on in the NBA or something else. Yeah. Like it was really nice. Um, and they didn't have to do that. They just did it out of their own way to, to really help me. And um, yeah, my mental state, like a lot of people probably struggle to sit out of a game for two years. And yeah. don't get me wrong, I did struggle. But yeah. it was definitely made a lot easier through um, people like that. And and same with Dan Greeter and Emmett Nile. Like they basically, I basically lived at theirs. Yeah. Their rookie here. Yeah. <laughs> um, they'd come over for food and then I'd go back over and that was when Fortnite was booming. So yeah. we'd all just want a game all night. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So like I think about like, I mean, for myself, like basketball is a huge part of who I am. Same for you. Like it's a huge part of your identity. How did you keep that part of yourself intact while you're not able to be on the court? Like how did you, for me, actually probably I could explain that better. For me, I feel like I need to do something every day that pushes my basketball career forward, whether that be like making sure I'm doing the right stuff in the gym or it might be, what, like you said, cardio gym, blah, blah, blah. How did you feel like you were still moving towards your goal when you have so many limita- limitations on what you can and can't do? Yeah. Um, I mean, for the first few months, you probably go insane. I went insane. Yeah. The first few months, you don't touch a ball. You don't do anything other than like you can't even lift properly like upper body you can but like lower body you just don't feel whole yeah um like it's just a simple like leg raise and that's hard to do yeah um when you when you just had surgery and trying to like your legs like goes to a mr burns leg really like it's crazy how how much you lose uh when you have surgery but yeah i think just um like sitting in a chair after two months, you still can't run, but you're just sitting under under a hoop and you just whilst the team's training. You're just sitting there just trying to practice your form and things like that. And um, like I always had a ball in my in my hand at home. Um, whether I went outside and just sat outside, I had to have a ball in my hand because mm-hmm. I missed it so much and because I couldn't actually do anything. Like I still felt like not necessarily I was getting better, but I felt like I wasn't really losing anything because yeah. I've got this ball in my hand. And, like, I mean, you know what it's like. If you yeah. don't touch a ball in a week, we feel like absolute spuds on the court. Yeah, a week, two days for me. Yeah, for that. <laughs> like, that's just how it is. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And then once you get the all clear um, to start doing more, it's, yeah, green yeah. light. And um, probably had to be held back a little bit yeah. on the set, on the, sorry, the third one. Yeah. Um, like, all I wanted to do was shoot. And I remember Dan Lawson, he was doing my rehab at Bayhamhead on the third one. And, all I wanted to do was just shoot the ball. 
on yeah. this one day and I couldn't hack it. I was just sick and tired of doing running drills after running drills. Yeah. I was basically 12 months, uh, like I was basically about to return to play. And all he wanted to do was just make me run and then he was trying to bully me in the post and uh, like he's got a football background. Yeah. So he's just yeah wanting to bully me in the post and like, I mean, it was great for my knees and everything like that and I needed it. But oh, yeah, it was one day I just couldn't hack it because I was sick and tired two years of <laughs> yeah. just not being able to shoot a damn yeah. ball. So um, yeah, that was uh, probably um, how I've tried to keep sane a bit and and try to think that I'm still getting better without really necessarily getting yeah. better. I guess that ties into like the question I want to ask you about self-belief, right? Because like during that time and like I know for me, sometimes I get caught up into like listening to like media and the, the things that people write online and that type of stuff. Did you ever feel like there was a lot of outside noise and like people not believing in you to get back and to like still be successful when you were back? Like what was that experience like for you if you did experience it? Yeah, like – amount of people that told me to give it up or yeah like just hell abuse saying i'm washed up and things like that and um yeah obviously had a, everyone's got their small little circle of people they trust and in terms of that trust with everything um that they say to them and uh for me it was really small and um, i just had to listen to those people as much as i needed to and um on top of that like i had a team around me that like they would clap seeing me run at training. I love that. Uh, for like the first time. Yeah. Like things like that. Like um, knowing I haven't run for something crazy in the amount of days and they yeah. just stop training just to see me run up and down a court at 20%. Like it's, I feel horrible because I'm running only at 20%. Yeah. But they're sitting there saying yeah. how good it is. Um, but yeah, like I guess it's pretty, yeah, uh, it's it's hard to explain that one probably. Yeah. Um, Without probably going like probably going into, I can speak for that for four or five hours. Like yeah. it's really hard to go into, and um, I guess people that don't uh, understand what we go through as athletes already, um, but then to add that injury into it, yeah, um, yeah, makes it pretty hard to kind of speak about it. And like, anyway, I still get emotional talking about certain things yeah. with my uh, knees and stuff, and um, that's probably one point because we all know I'm fiery on the court. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, but then yeah, I guess off the court like. I'm probably more on the softer side. Yeah. side. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I guess, um, yeah, um, I just try and block it out. And um, if people want to say what they want now, I don't. Like, I try and stay off social media as much as I can now. Yeah. Like, it's not worth it. And um, at the end of the day, I used to also, like, I remember my rookie year, I used to always, like, look at what people say about you. Yeah. And, and who's coming in yeah and i'm just like now you just move on and like they say like as long as i laugh at it if i ever did read it but i I just don't care like water for ducks back for me and um there's people still out there right now even after not doing an acl for now for how many years and uh winning the last two seasons with the kings and um people still saying i shouldn't be playing and i'm going okay yeah yeah all right if that's what you think then well done for you yeah but now i've got a bit of yeah. I can actually say something back. <laughs> yeah, now. you're like, I got two rings, my yeah. guy. <laughs> so, so you're, you're, are you 25 yet? Uh, 25 September. Okay, so when, is, when in September? Are you a Virgo? Yeah, oh. eight, eight. Okay, yeah, I'm the first. I going to say you are September too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, sorry, I got distracted. Um, you'll be 25 soon and you've had how many major surgeries and injured yourself how many times? Uh, so I've had four major surgeries, um, three ACLs. We thought so... 
this feels like an eternity ago, but everyone remembers the COVID hub days. Yeah. Um, we're in Cairns and playing the second game against Cairns up there as well. And um, yeah, here I popped my knee again and like 40, I've looked straight at 40 and I've just hopped straight off, uh, go in the change room and yeah, basically they do the test and I was like, all right, that's torn. Um, and I was kind of okay. Yeah. Um, but then half time came and the boys did their talk in a different room. Yeah. And then they have to go past me to get back out on the court. Yeah. Um, 40 walks out. He's like in tears because he kind of knows what's already happened. Um, and then seeing DJ and Diddy, like they just embraced me. And then Diddy, uh, Diddy's like crying in my ear. And then I start bawling my eyes out because I'm like, this affects other people other than me. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I was like, Diddy, like stop crying, man. You've got to play a game. Like I'm <laughs> yeah. bawling my eyes out here as well. Yeah. Um, and then DJ starts crying on my other shoulder. Yeah. And 40's just standing in the back there, like just trying to hold it all in. Um, and then, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. And then to walk out. Because that was the Bunnings Arena then. Yeah, we played in there um, in our hub yeah. here as well. Yeah. Um, so that's um, the the game ball went out and I was like, "Side, let's go." Simon Hall, our physio. Yeah. Um, he was there with us. Um, so he, I wanted to go back out and watch the boys. Cause I was yeah. Like, I'm, in the changes, there was no TVs. There yeah. was no nothing. I was like, "Nah, I need to go out." Went out, um, and every Cairns player came up that was on the court and checked if I was okay. Yeah. Um, so that was really nice. and It's bigger than basketball at that yeah, point, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then, yeah, I guess um, the crazy thing is then we fly to Brisbane, so I'm in a brace, um, all this and all that, and get an MRI, and then that night get the MRI result back. So I'm kind of mucking around on crutches because I'm yeah. like, career's, like I genuinely thought career was done. Yeah. Um, and so I'm mucking around going for a walk on crutches, doing stupid stuff stunts on crutches which is i don't advise <laughs> um yeah and then yeah got a phone call about 10 p.m from simon say come to the team room and sat me down and um said it's a partial tear but if you look at the mri there's actually it doesn't even look like a partial tear so how what, did that feel in that what, moment i was like so what does that mean yeah but I had a fracture on the side of my leg, yeah. um, which was actually what caused me to miss the rest of the season, really. Yeah. Um, so I sat in a brace for two weeks at 30 degrees, I think it was. Jesus. Um, and what that does is, so basically we use these like percentages, so 25%, so yeah. that was missing. Yeah. Um, so over that two weeks, scar tissue will reattach that. Okay. Um, but so then, you didn't need to have another surgery? No. So, it was just rehab? Yeah. But then you look at the, the MRI, like I said, it doesn't even look like there's anything wrong with the ACL at all. Yeah. So if there was anything, it was minor, minor, minor. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the fracture hurt yeah. a lot. So um, was that the popping noise that you heard? Probably. Yeah. Um, but who knows? I'm, I'm not a doctor or a yeah. physio, so I wouldn't know. But yeah, I think, um, yeah, in that moment, just I was like, so what does this mean? And get back and, like I said, sit in that for two weeks. And, and during that two weeks, we got – surgical opinions and things like that and a lot of the surgeons were saying you're fine like yeah. you'll be okay um so yeah did all that and um yeah so 
played one-on-one with Xavier Cooks towards the end of the season, yeah. which I did not like. <laughs> uh, I don't believe anyone would enjoy playing one-on-one against no, that No, and you think, you think you beat him and because he's so long, <laughs> yeah. he just blocks you out. No, I'm like, yeah. oh, like it's yeah. annoying, annoying as hell. But, yeah. um, I mean, super fun. Like, yeah. Um, obviously, that was the year he did his Liz Frank in his foot. And yeah, yeah, I remember So, that. we would basically carpooling to yeah. Sydney every day for rehab whilst the guys were in the Melbourne hub. Yeah. Um, so that was nice to obviously have someone like him around um, during that one. Um, There's something that I want to highlight real quick before you move on is like when you talk about like injuring yourself, the two things that you talk about the most is like the people around you that have like lifted you up, right? And so the the I have a, a mentor in my life who calls it like the blossomers around you, the people that help you kind of like excel and exceed. And then the other thing that you talk about is like how you like – your level of empathy means that you are feeling bad for other people during your injury. Now, I think that that's, that's an incredible thing that you have the ability to look outside of yourself when something's happening to you. At what point in your life were you able to do that? Like, do you remember or have you just always been like that? I have no idea. I think just I just don't want to let people down. Yeah. Like, you've taken a pun on me, so I want to repay the faith and things like that. And um like, I still remember, like, after the last, like, our first championship with Sydney, I remember saying to Smithy, like, you were right. Because so when I hurt myself in that in that Cairns game, he called me and I'm sitting there saying, I'm retiring, I'm done, all this and all that. And he's sitting there saying, no, you're not. We'll get you back. We'll be good. We'll win a championship with you in the Kings. <laughs> Turns out a year later, we do it. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, just unbelievable, like, the support from – Everyone at the Kings ownership, straight down to the playing staff, to um, like everyone involved in the Kings was unbelievable with helping me get back to where I am. When he said to you, like, no, you're not retiring, you're going to get through this, we're, we're going to come back and win a championship, at the time in your head, you're thinking, shut up, no, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. Or yeah. like, like, at what point do you then start to believe that other people believe in you? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, like. <laughs> For the next 10 minutes, I was on the phone to him. I'm like, in my head, I was like, whatever you're saying right now is not going to change my mind. Like, yeah. I'm retiring. Like, I'm done. I was meant to retire on the third ACL when I came back. Um, the surgeon told me to and I didn't. Like, this one, I'm done. Yeah. Um, and he's, yeah. Uh, and he's like, no, mate, we're doing it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I just, I mean, yeah, obviously him being a gong boy as well. Yeah. Um, embracing after the first championship, and all I remember saying to him is thank you. I don't really, I don't, I can't remember what else I said to him. Probably said <laughs> multiple other things, but yeah, yeah. First thing I said was thank you because, like, obviously they brought me up the road to Sydney, took yeah. a pun on me, and and stayed with me um, through even though it wasn't an ACL tear, to, through something that kept me out that whole season, and yeah, for them to show the faith and and for me to repay it though. Um, yeah. So Yeah. So cool. those levels of like those so your last championship, your last two, right? So I imagine those I've never won one. But I imagine them to be super euphoric, right? So that's like literally what you work for all year. You're with a group of people, you're in the trenches, you're how do those moments feel for you after everything that you've been through? Do you take moments where like I mean, I, it still happens to me now and I haven't won a championship where I look back and I'm like, holy shit. Like little me would be so happy with myself right now. Like do you take the time after big euphoric moments like that to like reflect and be like, 
holy crap, look at what I've gone through and look at where I am now. Yeah. I remember um, after the first one, um, I had to obviously celebrate in the change room and, and all that. And um, my best mate since I was, I think, in year three of um, school, FaceTimed him after the game uh, and like we just sat there and he was just basically in tears for me because he knew what I went through and then I started getting emotional and um, that's where it kind of sunk in for me that wow I've gone through this 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 and this to get to here and it's not I'm not nothing wrong with being not playing but I actually made an impact and I felt felt like that was pretty cool from where I've been and um, like yeah and then to back it up and do it again like to win, to win one's hard enough and then to win back-to-backs even Insane. harder Insane. with a target on your back. Um, yeah, just, yeah, to go up another level, I think, um, compared to where I was last year and be what I've been through is pretty cool. And um, don't get me wrong, I definitely wouldn't have, like, if 19-year-old me was sitting here right now saying, You'd be having two championships by the age of 24. I'd be like, yeah, you're you're, you're joking. You're joking (laughs) type thing, no way. Um, But, yeah, here I am and, um, yeah, obviously super grateful. And But at the same time, I think it's finally sunk in what I've done. um, And what you're still yet to do too, right? Like your ceiling is so high. And, like, you know, I love that, like, even when you had moments where you're doubting yourself, you had people around you that were like, no, we're not going to let you doubt yourself, right? So the the thing that I want to ask you about now is so being a male athlete, right, it's not super common to talk about like when A, when you get emotional or B, when you go through hard times, how like how were you able to like speak to other people about the stuff that you were going through and how would you encourage like actually younger athletes coming up through now that like say they've just hurt themselves or say they're just not feeling right, like – what are your words of wisdom, I guess, in that space to be able to like actually open up and be vulnerable with people and seeing that as a strength instead of a weakness? Um, I th- like gain as much like knowledge as you can, but obviously use your network as a platform for that. So for me, mum, dad, um, for me, it's Toby and Dave at the Kings um, on the medical side and um, Kira as well. I try and like, I try and be open and honest with them as much as I can. Even during the seasons, uh, I've been healthy. Everyone carries needles, everything. Like you still still doubt yourself and things like that. And I just sit there and go, all right, w- like tell me like what's the next step for me to um, feel better or- Continue or, to grow. Or, or, yeah, continue to grow to open my mind up to a different way. And um, a lot of people don't actually know, but during the- probably about two-thirds into the season, the first championship year, I got a severe bone bruise in my knee um, and <laughs> popping painkillers like no tomorrow yeah. to play the rest of the season out. and That whole off-season trying to get right, hence why I missed the blitz and two or three games at the start of the season this year, um, just couldn't get right the whole time. And, um, yeah, like I was still living in Sydney, but I was basically living in mum and dad's because I was just so – Oh yeah, I was depressed basically, um, and then like I thought, uh, psycho- psychologist was like something that I didn't really want to do, yeah. and I thought it was something that wasn't for me or anything like that. And 
Kira was peppering it, peppering it, peppering yeah. it. Um, and then uh, I remember lifting one time with Toby um, during the off season and I said, Kira thinks I should do this. And I think it, I said, I said basically to him, I was like, I think it's yeah. BS. Like I don't want to do that. Yeah. And then they might've connected. I don't know. But Toby then was a couple of days later, very like, I want you to do this. Like this yeah. is something you need to do. And I think that was the best thing I ever could have done. Um, I could just lay everything. I could strip back yeah. the barriers, everything. Like, And they, even to Kira, mum, dad, all these people that I was so open and honest to, I still held up barriers. Yeah. Um, yeah, because you're worried about protecting them at the same yeah. time, right? Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, and especially mum and dad because they've been through the whole thing. And so, I mean, so is Kira, but they've been through the whole thing and being their only child that yeah. all their emphasis is just on me. So yeah. it's really hard, I think, for them to hear everything that yeah. if I'm sore or whatever. Like, If you're going through something, when you talk to them about it, you're not being fully open. But yeah. with a psychologist, you're able to like actually be super vulnerable. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And like just like, I think I did four one-hour sessions. And, yeah. Um, like I remember the first one was I was obviously very depressed at the start of it. Yeah. And the end of it, I was so happy because I just yeah. got everything off my chest. You feel lighter. Yeah. yeah. And I think the, the whiteboard was probably one meter by one meter, but it was covered in pen. Yeah. Like there was no room left to yeah. write on it, whatever it was. Like it was just uh, such a productive session. Week two, go back to being not feeling great. Yeah. That session, I got better, but I wasn't um, on cloud nine like I was at the end of yeah. the first week. And and then week three and four, um, I was in a better state, both of them at the start and at the end of each of those sessions. And honestly, that was all I needed. Just yeah to be super vulnerable and i'm not saying psychologist is the answer for everyone but be super vulnerable if you want yeah. to be like it's a allow, allow you, yeah allow yourself to be vulnerable because people are there to help you and don't get me wrong like my support network i wanted help from them but they probably couldn't also offer what a psychologist could yeah. offer like it's medical stuff yeah, yeah like so like be open and honest doesn't matter if you're uh, no matter who you are like be vulnerable, to take everything in. Um, sometimes you don't want to hear stuff that people yeah. might tell you, but and they they're trying to help you. Yeah, um, yeah. It's it can be a daunting task to do as well, but yeah, because it's a stigma, yeah, right? Yeah, but yeah. It, it feels so good having weight lifting off your shoulders, um, even if you're telling someone, like yeah. telling anyone, like it's so good. Yeah, your initial reaction to be like, nah. Don't need it. Well, that's like 90% of the male athletes in this arena just because there's this stigma that like that's, I don't know, like it's, it's you know, that won't work for me or maybe people see it as a weakness or actually still in the female athlete world, we're getting better but we're, we're working on it to see that as like, oh, look, I have a sore leg, I'm going to go see the physio or it should be the same, like, oh, I'm just not feeling right, I need to go see a psych. It should have the same connotation in my head and I think the resources are getting better now with, like, NBL, WNBL, like, the, the faci- facilities and the resources are there to be able to give that to us. But I guess, like, as a stigma for you being, like, a high-performing, successful male athlete and knowing that you're going to see a psych is that something that you ever battled with within yourself to be like oh look like oh i don't really want to talk about this or you pretty open about going to see a psych i was not open at all like even during my previous injuries or just in general kira kind of tried to get me down that path and i was like no like not happening 
um, under any circumstances not happening. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, for some reason why this one, just Toby kind of forced me to go. Yeah. Um, force is the wrong word, but he set up an appointment. Steered you in the right yeah, direction. Yeah. That's what um, happened with me. I had someone at the pretty the day, much I'm so me. thankful for Kira pushing it for so long, but then um, obviously I said what I said to Toby and Toby didn't just sit on it. He reacted to it yeah. and was like, all right, we're doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And that's, I mean, that's anyone that plays for um, the Kings organization understands how well we get, tri- like, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, everyone, like, everyone involved just treats you really, really well. And um, and they, uh, basketball is the product that everyone sees, but yeah. they are there to help us be better people. Yeah. Um, and I think anyone that's been a part of that organization and has left will say, I've become a better person yeah. for it, whether that's um, on the men's side or the women's side. Yeah. No, I agree with that. That's definitely that. I would say that's definitely a consensus. But so these next steps for you, right? Like as a, I want to start as a person, right? Not, not we'll leave basketball for a second. In what areas are you looking to grow your human? I mean, for when I ask some people about this, they're talking about like business ventures or just more time with family or. Um, putting energy into other topics. My biggest thing at the moment is being okay with not being in control of things because I like to have everything set in the right way. Um, what is something that you're looking to kind of grow within yourself outside of sport at the moment? Um, I think so for me a big thing is um, I guess my relationship with Kira because um, this is the first time I've been to Melbourne basically to play NBL one mm-hmm. in the off season because the last two years COVID's come in the way. Um, and being a physio student, um, there's a lot, like a lot goes on your mind. She works yeah. so hard. Yeah. yeah. And then on top of that, she's trying to be an elite athlete and um, like everyone obviously does their own stuff as well, but just seeing her, um, yeah, obviously go to uni eight till five basically for placement or whatever yeah. it is. And normally she's used to seeing me at home afterwards and she kind of just de-stressed but not having me around. I think the last couple of years with COVID and stuff has, um, yeah, I've been been a bit hard. So, yeah, I just thought regardless if I played or not this year, I wanted to come to Melbourne and be a part um, with her and try and help her as much as I can uh, in her last year of her uni. She's uh, in her last year. uh, Yeah, so she'll finish, she'll basically finish this year. She'll have maybe one more block. Uh, last uh, next year but yeah. like she'll be done really really quick hopefully um, that's crazy but yeah no nah, so that's kind of uh, where my mindset is at the moment um, just really want to um, keep building on on our relationship which I mean everyone, anyone that's in a relationship wants to do that anyway but yeah. I think just being there for her and um, I've got the luxury of having uh, M who um, is our import is the important Knox and, yeah. and and I'm living with Alicia as well. Yeah. Alicia following. Yeah. So um yeah, like it's nice to have those guys around as well, um, to help her. Um but other than that, just um yeah, like you said, I'm a big big family man, so I FaceTime mum pretty much every day. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Same. Bit a bit of a mama's boy, I guess yeah. you could say. Um so yeah, I guess just um yeah, family's my priority at the moment really. 
I think that um, I love hearing you talk about like the people around you because it's just so glaring to me like how empathetic you are. Like I hope when you listen this listen to this back, you're like, oh, I spend a lot of that t- time talking about like how important everyone else is to me. And even in the way you talk about how you go about your business, there's a big component of it that's, you know, it's for you, but it's also for the people around you. Like being able to kind of exist in a space where everything's always about more than you is just like, I would say as an athlete, it's one of the biggest things that can propel you forwards because, you know, it's not just you, you know, you're able to do stuff for, you know, the greater good. And and that's not just your family, but when it comes to a team environment, that's for your team. I mean, you spoke about sitting on the sideline at the Hoop Summit. You didn't need to do that. You could have just gone home. But being able to go outside of yourself and be like, all right, well, I can be there for the team and and for the people around me in other ways. Like that's, that's huge. Like, and it's exciting and it also means that, um, things feel less overwhelming because you're able to share the load in your brain, you know, like that's yeah. the way I see it anyway. So moving forward in basketball, what are your goals over the next like couple years? And do you have like, are you a planner? Like, do you plan stuff? Um, I wouldn't say planning, but like I do have goals, but I don't necessarily plan my way to get there. Yeah. Or I don't plan on being here in five years. Um, I think everyone's path is different. Yeah. Um, which is pretty obvious, I guess. But yeah, um, yeah. I just I think for me, a big goal um, being on the NBA radar when I was at that hoop summit. I want to try and get back to a summer league, um, go over there and experience that. And um, yeah, I want to. I've I got to experience the Boomers jersey uh, just before we went to the lockdown um, in 2020. But I, I yeah, I want to put that jersey back on. Like yeah, just. Um, Anyone that gets put on the green gold as a Boomers or an Opal is like it, it means so much. It does. To them. It really um, does. Yeah, like um, it will always be um, something that will stick real close to me. Just putting on that jersey, and um, obviously, um, any any time you step on a court, you want to win. So, trying to go for a three peat right yeah, now. Yeah, do but, the um, three feet. <laughs> but yeah, I think as well. Um, my time in Eltham, I'm really trying to help the young guys as well. Like we yeah. have a lot of young guys um on our bench so um whether they want to come lift with me or want to get shots up with me or like sit me down for 20 30 minutes after a session before a session and yeah. say what i do xyz or whatever it is um like one of our young guys right now sat me down and he's got knee pain and like basically i sat down with him and he asked all these questions why i do all these band yeah. work before training and i'm like that's prehab that's how yeah. you, you try and um stay nice and strong and how you stay uh injury free and things like that and um yeah he's going to give it a go and like things i just really want to help um all these people um try and get to where they want to get to in sport and life i mean you have like a a well of knowledge in that space just from lived experience in like literal lived experience like you have that and using you as a resource i think especially in like the nbl one space but in the nbl space as well like there's so many ways that you can give back and it's like it's a really unselfish way to live and that's kind of something that you embody which is super cool and I guess um, my last couple questions are around like the way that you interact with young kids right so when you when people say I'll call you a role model how does that make you feel (laughs) I still don't look at myself as like a role model, but I guess like everyone is that plays in this, uh, plays professional sport. And um, yeah, I think I touched on it earlier at the start of the um, podcast was 
Um, I remember sitting there doing camps and and going to every game wanting to get my forehead and arms signed because I didn't have anything to get signed. Yeah. Like just I wanted to be that kid that um, was so excited just to see a player. Yeah. Um, so I know what it's like for these kids that see me and other guys like this. So, um, yeah, I'm like I – I've changed my game day routines a fair bit over the yeah. years. Like I'm really relaxed now basically until we run out for our warm-up. So when we go out there and shoot earlier, um, I'll normally go out earlier so I can let my hair down and yeah. sign some autographs and things like that and really spend time with the kids before I have to really lock in a bit more. Yeah. And, um, yeah, like any day I remember trying to get autographs. And all, yeah. So I want to try and do it. Um, and then, yeah, just interacting with the kids at like clinics and things like yeah. that and um, trying to have fun with them. And at the end of the day, we're we're doing the clinic, so we might be doing ball handling or shooting a drill, but also have fun with them. Yeah. Whilst you're doing the drill, like muck around with them, have a joke. Yeah. Talk a bit of rubbish. Yeah. Ask them who their NBA favorite player is or whatever yeah. it is. Like just have a conversation with them. Um, yeah, I think that's the big thing. And some kids definitely go, oh, like this is cool and go yeah. pretty quiet. But yeah, kids these days are pretty vocal. Yeah, like, they, they are. <laughs> they they love having a chat. They get with more us, confident so. every year. I yeah. swear, I swear they do. Um, so and then kind of moving on from there, having a conversation with your younger self. What would you, if you were able to like sit down with five year old you, what would you say to yourself? Um, <laughs> this ain't even basketball later or anything like that. But stop, don't shave your head. Yeah. <laughs> I used to shave my head all the time. Um, so that's definitely one of them. Nah, Number you know, one, don't shave your head. You know, you know, all seriousness. Can we get a photo of that? Can you please send us a photo? Most of definitely you? not. <laughs> You'll probably go talk to my mum or something. I'm gonna now, get a photo. Like, I'm gonna Kira get a photo of Kira. Wait, um, actually, write that down. We're getting a photo. Yeah. Like, yeah, I think, uh, I guess, um, embrace everything that comes your way. Um, I feel like. Yeah, I guess I don't want to be I don't want to be known as someone that's done the ACLs, but going back to trying to talk to some to my five year old self is embrace it. I probably didn't embrace the journey as well, even though I probably talked about it all pretty well, like I have. But I don't think I have embraced it to the, to where I could have. Like, um, yeah, I guess I never really like enjoy yourself a bit more. Like, mm-hmm. stop taking things so serious. Yeah, I'd take like. I remember if, say, it's an eight-rep exercise and my body would give out after six and I'd have to re-rack it. Like, I'd get so mad at myself. Yeah. Like, stop. Like, that's just an example. But stop caring. So, like, not caring, but stop trying to put everything into just one thing and actually enjoy everything around you. I think as a kid, I did probably, like, not necessarily as a kid, but I didn't probably enjoy things around me as much. Like, yeah. now I'm starting to do that with, like, coffee and going out for walks and things like that. Yeah. And, um where yeah i used to probably not do that at all yeah um see everything else there's yeah. always more yeah. yeah and like i mean you were at the as too like everything's so basketball focused yeah and i mean i never did school work especially because my parents weren't <laughs> yeah. there but um i was like let's like i'm doing that 24 yeah. 7 whereas you know, i probably missed out a bit on interactions yeah like i've made some great bonds at as but yeah like I you don't get I, to explore other parts no, of yourself. Yeah, yeah, I wish I got to do that a bit more. Yeah. Um, for sure. I like that. I like that. Because especially like 
it doesn't mean that you'll be any less successful if you put into other parts of yourself, right? Like for me, I had to take a year off to figure out what that was. But like to be able to implement that into your everyday life, just enjoy the process, enjoy everything that's happening around you. Like there's always more than just the basketball, but people don't realize that the basketball becomes more enjoyable the more you put into the outside parts of your life. Like how much more enjoyable is basketball when you're putting time? For me, it's like my creative outlets and spending time with my family for you. It's the gaming and spending time with Kira, your family, like coffee, all that stuff. But actually makes you enjoy the basketball and the sport more, right? Like it enriches your experience holistically and it makes all of that stuff better. Um, on that note, I'm going to end with the question that I usually end all my podcasts with. Um, so how do you think people see you versus who you actually are? And if there is no separation, no difference in that, that's the goal, right? Like people see you and they're like, oh, this is Angus. He's, you know, we know who he is, blah, blah, blah. And you spoke on vulnerability and all that stuff. But how do you think you're viewed and how do you think that relates to who you actually are? Um, I mean, on the anyone that knows me on the court thinks I'm an absolute dick. Yeah, same. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I guess like, but then you'd strip back that, and um, I try and um, be as courteous as I can, and things like that. And um, like, yeah, I think a big thing for me is trying, like, 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 I've, it's kind of been the theme of the podcast, trying to help other people. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think people these days definitely would see me as someone that tries to help others. Um, definitely a lot more when I compared to what I was as a kid, and still super hardworking, and and um, like I think that's how I would see myself too. Is um, like all I want to do is help people. I, I still put in the work, and um, yeah, I, I right now I'm working on relationships, whether that's with my teammates or. Um, all these young guys um, yeah. or um, Kira or my parent, parents, whatever yeah. it is. Um, and then, yeah, I think I think uh, that's what a lot of people would probably say um, about me, to yeah. be honest. But like I said, uh, people that only see me that may, might be a Cairns fan or, I don't yeah. know, just a fan that doesn't know me from a bar. So, yeah, obviously. Because you're competitive, I yeah, would say. Yeah, <laughs> I've got white line fever and, yeah. like, yeah. Yeah, but um, if people took the time to like actually see you, I think they would see exactly what you just said. You're like, I mean, in this conversation alone, like your empathy has kind of filled up the room. Like it, it radiates. It's really cool. And I think that that's a really cool value that you uphold that you're able to kind of function within throughout your everyday life. So I would say, I mean, like I've known you for a really long time, but I think that people that do take the time to see you would see exactly who you are. And I'm really grateful that you took the time to come on and talk about all of this stuff. I know I know that um, so many people listening will get so much out of this. And if, as if he hasn't said it enough, if you do see Angus around, just go off and have a conversation with him. He will always talk to you and always give you the time and – I'm I'm grateful that you gave us the time today because I mean I learned more about you and I've I've been so excited to have this conversation because I just to understand the way that your brain works and the way you're still able to operate with such care for other people is actually insane when you think about it because you know people usually react to the stimulus of their environment and the way the world has treated them it's so easy to be like oh these things have happened to me and then you act a certain way because of it but you embody like the other direction of that like get having things happen to you and just growing and becoming a 
bigger and better person. And just to add to the end, after every injury that Angus has had, he's gotten more athletic, which makes no sense. It makes no sense. Like actually, like I, I know I was talking about that that dunk you had on Sykes, but some of the dunks you're throwing down now, man, like they they crap all over those. Like I don't understand. How do you get more athletic with every injury? Like I just I don't know. I, I don't I, get yeah, it. I, I don't get it either. But I'll take it. Oh, it's the hamstring from your dad. Yeah, well, he'll claim it. He'll claim it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Um, I digress. Anyway, thank you so much for coming on, Angus. And um, really excited for people to listen to this one. Um, that was Under the Surface. I'm Annalie Maley, and that was Angus Clubber. That was Under the Surface. If this episode brought up any concerns for you, we recommend you call Lifeline on 13 11 14.